Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to Strictly Anonymous on the Riotcast Network. Riotcast.com Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone? To anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous. Hey, welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. If you want to follow the Strictly Anonymous Podcast, follow the show at Strictly Anonymous, me at Cartoon Therapy. If you can write a review for the show, write a review or give me a rating. If you haven't subscribed to the show, subscribe to the show. And if you want to be on the show, this is a call and a show where I give total strangers my unprofessional advice. I also just listen to people talk about their naughty lives and their secret lives. If you fall into any of those categories or you want to make up a new category and be on the show, send me an email at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com or go to strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. I'm always looking for people to call in. So now that Craigslist doesn't exist, I can't post ads online, right? So it's like everybody on my show is people that wrote in. Um, I had a guy that wrote in from Australia. That's who I'm airing today. His name is Jake. And you could see by the title, he's bipolar and he can't get it up. (laughs) And we talk all about that. And that plays out in his life with like, you know, he's bipolar. He has commitment issues. He takes medication, which doesn't help with his, uh, you know, with sex uh, because he has commitment issues. He has issues with sex to begin with uh, because also he's had some physical things happen to him that put him on disability. Uh, So basically like Jake was a guy that not only has not had relationships for a long time, he hasn't really had sex for a long time. um, He hasn't even really worked for a long time. He was really sort of debilitated in every area of his life because of a lot of things that happened to him when he was younger. Um, but we're talking to Jake at a time where like things are really changing for him and changing for the better. Like things are really looking up for Jake. Just a couple of weeks ago, things turned around and we talk about that. So I was excited to hear that or talk to somebody in that phase of this sort of story, because I think, you know, uh, a lot of people can relate and people are either out of it and on the other side and in a good place and they could listen to Jake's story and relate or they're like before the good change in their life and they're still kind of stuck and they could listen to Jake and maybe learn from his story um and if you don't know anybody and can't relate at all it's still a good story because it's like there's a happy ending and it's not an ending right as long as you're alive there's always going to be new chapters and new changes but this is a guy who is coming out of a, a 20 year funk of like a lot of inaction. And we talk a lot about all of these things, a lot of bipolar, a lot about sexual dysfunction, a lot about commitment issues. I interrupt him a lot and talk a lot about myself because I always get super excited when I'm talking to people like this because I can relate and I'm a lot, I'm very similar and I've had a lot of the same issues. So 
uh, you know, bear with my cutting him off. I just get excited when I have talking to somebody like this because it's like my thing and I like to help people that are on this place. And like I said, I didn't, it's not even like you have to help him because he's doing good. He's all of a sudden doing much better in his life. And uh, so that's that. So we'll sit back, relax, and listen to Jake's story. I'll be right back on with Jake. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone? To anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous. Uh, hey. Okay, great. Hey, Peter, welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you doing today in Australia or tonight? I'm all right, thank Kathy. I'm, um, yeah, I'm all right. You know, busy week, change of lifestyle. Things are interesting. Good. Well, you have an interesting topic, and this is something that I know about because I have some friends that, uh, you know, deal with this issue, right? It's kind of like twofold. I think they go together. Well, it's kind of like threefold, right? <laughs> one is that, like the three bullets I would say that you sent me in the email was like, one, you you rarely have sex. There's something about it that like isn't comfortable for you. Two, you have issues with relationships as well. And three, you're on medication for being bipolar. And so when you do wind up having sex, it totally makes you have like no feeling. And I've heard that before from uh, two of my girlfriends that are on that kind of medication, you know, that it takes away the feeling. So if like you're banging an escort, which you do sometimes, you could get a wreck, but you have no sensation. Personally, I think it makes sense that all three of those things are going on in you because, you know, because it's all sort of related commitment issues you know, bipolar, oh, God, yes. having to be on medication and the medication then, you know, just doing the physical thing. But emotionally, before you even take that medication, you have some issues going on, right? So we're going to talk about it all. It all sort of, uh, you know, feeds into one, feeds into the next, which feeds into the next and it compounds it all and makes it all very messy. Yeah, totally. But we could, you know, try to pick it out and make it a little bit more clear because this is like a topic that I know a lot because I've dated all kinds of people because I always had relationship issues, right? And people would always be like, oh, every guy always wants to have sex. It's like, no, there's a whole lot of guys out there that won't bang you. Like, that's a thing. You know what I mean? And to me, that's a big commitment thing because somehow it's like sex and intimacy equals like commitment, right? Because, and when you're really having sex with someone that you actually like, right, that is like real intimacy. And that's something that somebody that is afraid of commitment, which is intimacy, would be, would avoid, right? When I was younger, the oh, hottest, yeah. the, the hottest sex for me was like with guys I didn't like. Like it was disgusting to me if I liked somebody. You know what I mean? Like I would be grossed out. Like it was only guys that I found repulsive. That I like to bang like it was so backwards, but it made sense with my dysfunction. Right. And it makes sense that you could get like rock hard with an escort. Right. Uh, because there's a distance there. Right. That you're not going to date that person there. It's a tra It's transactional, you know, not to say that you wouldn't wind up falling for them, maybe and thinking that you like them. But that would just be because most likely they're unattainable. Right. Because that's the kind of people that commitment phobic people tend to go for people that are unavailable or they know on some level they would never be with so that's all yeah, th that shit there's, right there's something, there's something safe about um an escort sometimes they just yeah. don't know whether it's um 
because of the anonymity that that um, you know often you spend a lot of time talking um, you know you talk about mental health and like oh yeah look I've had some problems or a friend have had problems and you know it it becomes this huge conversation where you think it's this total it's just going to be sex 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 and it's you know it's mostly talking a bit of cuddling oh no i hear uh, that a lot from the guys that call in and i know that from the women that have called in that do this line of work like a lot of times it's it is there's other things going on right and guys get stuff from those things as well right uh, so it's like safe for you in that you could get kind of not just have a physical sort of release right you could have some sort of emotional connection right which is probably something that you lack Absolutely. In your God, life, just, right? Um, just being able to have the opportunity to just get naked with someone and cuddle, you know, be up close and intimate, not necessarily sexually intimate, but just um, just being physical touch. Close Physi- to someone. Yeah, that's yes, like a human yes. need that we have. Like, I was just talking to someone the other day that was uh, had commitment issues, and I was like, You don't have a pet, you haven't had a lover, you don't aren't close with your family. Like, who do you fucking love? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so when I everyone has to have something, you know, like, and I've had friends that are severely commitment phobic, they don't even have anything. I'm like, Who do you hug? Like, who do you like do that? You know, it's like some people, it's just an animal, right? But it's something. You know, and some people keep themselves so sort of stark dry of any kind of level. Like they don't even have that, right? So they're not, they don't have close friends. They don't have like a pet. They don't have a lover, you know. So, but you need that. Everybody needs it. That's a huge, like if babies aren't cuddled, like in the beginning of like they, there was like studies and they didn't, they can't do a study like this on purpose, but like there was like this orphanage where like in a Russia or someplace where they weren't like holding the babies when they were just born and they literally died because we yeah. as humans, a being, failure to thrive right mm-hmm. we need failure physical yeah i didn't know the name but that's right it's like we need that you need that right so it's, um the chemical oxytocin mm-hmm. is uh it's like a hormone that the brain produces that you get from physical closeness mm-hmm. and if we don't have that um just that casual intimacy that you know just hugging someone just holding hands just cuddling mm-hmm. um you know you can get really really deeply depressed yeah totally let me get some background on you because you sound older how old are you oh 41 you're 41 okay so like when did you start your medication because you say you're bipolar right like when was that label put on you when did you find out you were and when did you start the medication but first wait let me just ask you, you're 41 have you ever had a long-term relationship and if so what was like how long was it or what was the longest relationship you've had at 41 uh, longest longest was eight years okay that's a long time at, um basically from from 20 to 28 it um yeah that was that was huge yeah that's that pretty major I'm surprised yeah. oh well it, it, it um I thought it was going to be my whole you know get married have kids mm-hmm. the whole thing that you sort of grow up expecting that you're gonna do yeah um yeah she was a couple of years younger than me um so I think she was 18 I was 20. When we first started, and I was her first serious relationship. Um, by the time we ended, we just 
had totally grown up into different people. And Yeah, that happens in your 20s. That's why it's so stupid to get married in your 20s. I oh, just, you know God. what I mean? You're going to be like it, it, 10 different people every year. You change so much, you know? I mean, listen, I think some people it's just meant to be and they're fine, you know, but most people, the majority, I just think it's there's you should never settle down. It's just way too young. You haven't figured out who you fully are yet, you know, right? <laughs> I was a baby, you know, yeah. at the time. I thought that um, that's all I want, and I was devastated when it all ended. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. looking back now, I can see that I was nowhere near ready for a long-term commitment. And Let me ask you this, though. Since that sort of one thing. Right, but since that one thing, so you have had no other relationships after that? Nothing that I would call, like, uh, an emotional relationship. You know, I've had physical... I've had attempts where I've, you know, yeah. um, dated. But nothing I've that's lasted. For, no, nothing nothing that's lasted more than a few months. But I let me ask like you this. Do you, um, feel, do you feel like, because I've seen this with some people, you know, I've never had something longer than like two years. So I can't even relate to having eight years. I'm like, why can't you fucking do that again? Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems like if you could have that kind of closeness and have that long-term relationship, you should be able to do that again because you did it once, right? So, but I've, what I've seen in some people, and you know, I always say I give unprofessional advice. So this is how I do my, uh, you know, whatever experiments. I just look at like two people I know and I decide that that's the way that it goes. But like what I've seen in some people (laughs) is that, and I think maybe this is where it comes from. Like they are capable of having that relationship. They have it. And then when it goes south and it ends they're so devastated that they never like the the actual devastation from it and the breakup and is so painful for them that that the fear of that happening again is what keeps them from ever being able to do it again like when they were young they didn't realize that it could go south or any you know what I mean you didn't see the ending coming right like you said it was going to be the rest of your life and then you've just described my life yeah and then it ends and you're like you can never do it again because you're so now you realize, right, what life's about. Like sometimes things oh, don't fucking gosh. work out and the rug could be pulled. But what I don't get, because for me, it's like the opposite. The more I fail at things and the more things end for me and the more I realize I'm okay and I, I, I was able to weather through it, the more I feel like I'm fine with the fact that things sort of go south and they don't work out and you'll survive, you know? So like, can't you see like... And I know you probably can't, right? Because you haven't had a relationship since that. Yeah, it was devastating, right? And it was like the worst thing imaginable. But you survived. You came out of it. You were okay. You know what I'm saying? I did. Um, And I guess looking back, I can see that if I was still with that person, there's no way I would be miserable. And I can even think back to times when we were together and I was miserable when we were together. Right. Um, you know, I I totally hear what you're saying about um, that idea that, you know, I've done it once, I should be able to do it again. And my mind, I guess I know that sort of in my head, but something it's about... It's knowing something, yeah, something... Knowing, emotionally yes, vulnerable like, mm-hmm. um, is, is terrifying. Uh, knowing things intellectually and it, knowing them emotionally and accepting, you know what I mean, is two separate things. Uh, plenty of times Agreed. you could completely get it in your head, 
but you just you can't experience it with the rest of your being like you can't buy into it you know and those are like that's like a blockage right and that's the stuff you need Uh. to fucking work out you're obviously in therapy but (laughs) this is what's fucked up for me is that a lot of people get put on medication but they're not in therapy to me like if you're on medication you should be forced to go to therapy while you're on oh, the medication the, right the medication is just a crutch exactly the therapy right that's what i mean but i have friends that are on like hardcore medication for bipolar or whatever and they're not like they don't they're not in therapy it's just like i don't get it like like you said the medication is a crutch what you really need is that therapy you need to be working on yourself so that eventually you could get off the medication right because i personally don't believe in like and I know that someone professional listening to this would be like, Kathy, like you can't say these kind of things. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, that like somebody, uh, listen, there are severe cases of people that absolutely need medication for sure. And they're just chemically fucked, you know, but I don't know. I believe that you can work through a lot of things and get stronger within yourself and get to a place where maybe you're not bipolar or you're not man or whatever it is that's put on you you know how long like when did you find out that you were bipolar and you were put on medication and all this kind of stuff was it before your it actually, girl um, after well it was after but i think i was having symptoms even while we were while we were together what were your symptoms um, really really bad lows mm-hmm. uh, like suicidal type um feelings yeah that's hardcore um, i would be just you know I'd, I'd sit down at the end of the day and i'd think about how i wanted to die and i mm-hmm. couldn't explain it to myself and i'd be telling my partner i'd be like i, I don't understand why do i want i've got everything everything that i thought i wanted why do i want to die right um and she would get horribly upset with me because like that's a obviously a direct criticism of her of course yes as a girl is going to first think that <laughs> like what's wrong with me like you're not happy with me i don't complete you <laughs> um, but um you know there's also other stuff like uh, i've enrolled and attempted to do four different uh, degrees mm-hmm. from earlier in my life um so that's another symptom of sort of making rash decisions or not really thinking things through oh so do you mean like four different ones like you start and then stop and then do another one or did you finish them all no 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 start then stop start then stop but let me ask you Uh, this because i'm sure you've been in therapy and you've talked about it like like before these uh (laughs) you know depression phases started like like what what do you think what have you figured out like happened to you when you were younger that sort of created all this stuff like do you know like did you have a really difficult childhood did everything seem totally perfect and you don't know where it comes from or like what's the deal uh look i mean huge family history of of mental illness um i know parents who weren't really emotionally available Mm -hmm. they had their own stuff going on and, Mm -hmm. and didn't really know how to how to deal with their stuff and parent at the same time. So basically um, you had like none of that. You didn't, weren't given that security when you were really young. Well, yeah. I didn't really sort of grow up with those, um, developing those skills of, of coping mm-hmm. with normal life stuff. Yeah. Um, and when I was uh, about eight or nine, I found out that um, I always knew sort of earlier that I'd been born really premature. Mm-hmm. I was born at like uh, 28 weeks. Oh, wow. That's like um, majorly imma- premature. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're uh, lucky you back, survived. Back then, yeah. Um, 
but it was when I was about eight or nine, I found out that I was actually an identical twin and that my twin uh, was stillborn and, and that I survived. Oh, God. Um, and that just screwed me. I can, on, one, on one level, it was like it explained everything. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other level, it was like, my God, how do I even process this? Yeah, that's crazy uh, to learn that at like out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Absolutely out of nowhere, yes. And then to sort of not even have the follow through, like even now, um, I've learned more from the registrar of birth, deaths, and marriages than I had from my own parents. Really? Yes. What did you find I mean, out? Was, like, uh, did, did this, like, you told me that you found out when you were eight that you had the twin like what more stuff like what more information did they have that they didn't give you oh did you ever ask i mean maybe like Uh, yeah look i think they probably told me at one point but um look it's you know i'm 41 years old we've probably spoken about my twin maybe four or five times in my life yeah um if just as an indication of just how little that we were able to discuss and I think of just how raw the pain is every time we've talked about it with mum and dad. Um, I don't want to feel like I'm as much as I desperately want to know the answers, you know, I, I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm bringing out this horribly painful topic that's going to hurt are, them. Yeah. But what are the, what are the questions that you would like answered? I guess I, I want to know where his body is and um, I want to have somewhere to to go and see that I can feel like I'm close to him. And you've never, they've never, you've never been able to ask them? Cause... They don't know. Oh, they don't it's, know. Uh, so they, they don't yeah. know. They were in the hospital. No. It was a baby. It was born to still, I mean, they, and they're tending to you. I mean, it must have been exactly. like the craziest they time. It's like whether, how conflicted for them a time. To survive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it was pretty much like, uh, you know, so growing up with all of that, a lot of like depression in my teens, which I think is pretty normal, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but uh, it wasn't sort of, like I said, you know, bits of pieces of, of lows and, you know, some weird decision making. But it wasn't until after the relationship breakdown, you know, major sort of depression following that, which again was quite normal but um i had a a work accident uh, where i hurt my back and i couldn't work anymore and sort of that was that had become the focus of my life it's like yeah i had the whole relationship you know that was that didn't work um i sort of funneled everything i had left into work was going really well until this accident and then i couldn't work Oh God! And it's like what do I, what do I have left? Um, and I, again, I sort of I became suicidal, and it um, trying to sort of take the the employer to the courts for compensation and just all that stress. Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. 
com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. It just uh, forced me for the first time in my life to actually try and talk to someone about how do I cope with this? Yeah, uh-huh. Cause how, you, do I, right. how do I survive? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, when you got into therapy? Sort of, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what led to the whole diagnosis and has led to, uh, to years and years of therapy in addition. But um, I guess, uh, you know, on the topic of medication and, and therapy, I think one of the benefits of therapy um, has been the idea of I guess trying to understand part of of what happened to me and how I ended up where I am, mm-hmm. but also how do I go forward? How do I? Yeah. How do I build a life, you know, regardless of symptoms? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I might be stuck with some form of symptoms for the rest of my life. Yeah, for you know, sure. It's probably not going to be as extreme as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what kind of life do I want for myself, and how can I? How can I explore and build a life that is meaningful to me with or without symptoms? Yeah, and how could you? Because listen, as somebody like I grew up with a lot of sort of issues that were put on me from my childhood, and I always felt like, you know, certain things that other people had always were so difficult for me to get for myself because I felt like I had like a self-deserving thing. You know what I mean? Like for some reason, I didn't think I deserved all the things that everybody else had. You know what I mean? Even for me to have oh. a baby was so difficult. You know, where everyone just like has a baby. You know what I mean? And I have a baby now, but every making those kinds of drastic life changes in my life have always been really difficult you know but they have been life-changing for me and I'm so glad that I forced myself but it was always really hard you know but it was something that I really wanted and I always knew that like what are the things in your life that you don't have now that you really want for yourself that other people have you know what I mean but that are difficult for you oh geez intimacy mm-hmm. so like a relationship <laughs> a companion yeah, like mm-hmm. I've, I've got a dog and I love my dog. Yeah, that's good. That. Thank God you have the fucking dog. Okay, it's the people that don't have anything. I'm like, get a dog. Some that's a good Absolutely. start. It's a good start. But um, you know, I, I and this is something else that's come up in therapy that I've sort of romanticized or idealized this idea of what a relationship would be. Uh huh. For sure. And it makes it unattainable. Right. Because what I think people don't get, and I used to be the same way, is that when you are sort of lonely or not happy within yourself, right, that you you fantasize that like somebody would come into your life and then everything would be like so magical and like it would be brighter and more happy. And what I realized one day, and it's very true, and I've learned this also in therapy over and over again, talking about it is that. In reality, like a, a relationship, yeah, in the beginning, you're going to be high on endorphins and all that shit, right? Oh, Whatever happens. But yeah, yeah once yeah. that goes away, you're just going to be you and there's going to be somebody yep. else there. You know what I mean? And but yep. and what's nice about that is you have somebody to lean on. You have someone to talk to. You someone have someone to help you. But it, that person's not, not going to change you in that every day is going to be fantastic you know what I mean and it is going to be difficult sometimes and that's the reality but it is but there are huge benefits to it you know what I mean but it's not going to be like that 
thing that commitment phobic people kind of think it is. And that's why you say it makes it unattainable because you're looking for perfection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't exist. And Do I think you... I, I know that in my head that um, this perfection doesn't exist and mm-hmm. that um, maybe I'm doing it as some sort of defense mechanism. Um, but would you want it when you know when you fantasize or when you're not fantasizing and when you're talking about it in therapy or thinking about it in your mind in reality right like I know it's not going to change me and I know it's not going to like be the perfect thing but like do you still want a companion for all those reasons like I said it's someone to have sex with it's someone to talk to at the end of the day it's someone to be there for right so right so you you even want like it's not like you have two parts of you like one part of you that thinks it's like a you know that romanticizes it but you do have a part of you that does have a need that wants it even though you know it's not going to be perfect right absolutely um and i think maybe this whole idea of romanticizing and idealizing is maybe an excuse yeah mm -hmm. like i'm really just a little kid scared that no one's gonna love me yeah uh uh-huh for sure and that you're not deserving Mm -hmm. terrified of being rejected and that i'm I'm not worthy of love yeah right Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And it's like, but you have like, to me, when you have like, I don't know, this is the way I've always felt it. And I don't know if you've experienced it this way, but as somebody that I had a lot of issues too, like I always felt I was like two people, you know what I mean? And there was like this little girl that had needs that I was denying, you know what I mean? And like this other person that was like fucking shit up, you know what I mean? And then anytime I've ever tried to get things, like I said, like my baby, you know, it, it always, and or anything that was good for me that came my way, I felt like I was like moving forward with like bricks on my back. It was always hard because the subconscious part of me, the part of me that was damaged, that would hold me back and sabotage, you know, oh. and try so hard and want me to just stop that. And to, to avoid, like to deny that part of me was so difficult, but that's what I've had to do in every part of my life to get those great things and I I have a lot of things that are really great that were probably easy for other people but for me very difficult do you know what I mean but like the only way they came to me was like like I said moving forward with like fucking 10 bricks on my back and not (laughs) and not and just having to keep doing it do you know what I mean no matter what and I think some people think oh when something happens that's not right then it's not meant to be and that's like the worst thing you could think of if you're people like us right because you got to just keep going forward to get what you want you know because there will be a part of you that little boy that thinks they're not deserving that will want to fucking sabotage that will want to <laughs> run away that will want to oh. and will want to do everything to make yourself not have the things that you should have right and you're like, you only live once. You're only 41. You could have a child. You could have a great relationship again. You had an, it is in you. You were a relationship person. You had a relationship for eight years. You do you talk a lot about like the devastation and the ending of that. Cause I, sometimes I feel like it's like unresolved, like, because you, you, as much as you know that you survived it on some level, you don't believe that you could deal with that again, you know? Like, do that you... doesn't make sense logically, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, no, it, um, but that's what's going on, probably. That feels true. Yeah, right. Emotionally, that feels true. Like it, um, you know, it was so painful that uh, I can't imagine surviving that again. Right? Do you? Uh, did you feel like at the time? No, I know. But did you feel at the time 
that you really sort of went through all the emotions that you were feeling at the time so and and you sort of work through them or did you do what most people do and this is why people walk around with so much fucking baggage when it comes to relationships <laughs> where you just pretended you were okay and went on with your life and all that shit is still like in there somewhere and it, that's it's all you know now it's like this massive fear that you have because maybe you didn't oh. deal with the emotions I think then. a bit of back and forth, back and forth. I think sometimes I would actively try and deal with it mm-hmm. and feel it, and mm-hmm. other times I'd run as fast and as far as I could away from it. Yeah, well, that's normal because listen, you can't like sit home and cry every fucking day, right? Because like you have to, you're, you're like you know, you're twenty something, you know, you gotta live life too, right? And it comes in waves, that's 10 and it is, you know? yeah, exactly. You got it comes in waves, and that's good. But I, you know, I do believe. That like I read once in this book because I always like to sort of get over things and go through them so that I have as little baggage as possible. You know, and I remember reading some book and it was very true. He said like most people when they break up with somebody, people tell them like no matter what you do, like don't listen to a song that reminds you of them. Don't look at a picture that reminds you of them. Don't look at, you know, and that's what everyone's sort of thing is for you. Like, you know, you don't want to get upset. So just like avoid it. But what his thing was like, no, what you should do is the exact opposite. you should put uh, look at their pictures, listen to songs, do anything you can to evoke those feelings in you so you could bring them up, feel them, and release them. Because if you look at a picture of them and it makes you sad, it's not creating a feeling that's new of sadness. It's bringing out the sadness that you feel inside of you and you need to release that. So what I would do after I read that is like I would be like a fucking psychopath. I would like it's that there would be an ending of some <laughs> psycho I was dating. And I'd bring up, I would torture every day I'd put up all their pictures I'd look until I could do it and have no feelings and that's why I could be friends with all of them I go to their fucking weddings I'm best friends with their new girls I could care less about any of that stuff because you know I I face all the sort of hurt and get it all out until it's just it's it's done you know and I think what happens with most people and that's why like I have friend girlfriends that'll be like oh my god my ex-boyfriend's getting married and it's like you dated him like 20 fucking years ago like why don't you <laughs> yeah. why do you still care this is so oh, psychotic potential I, I can relate to that and um at the same time, you know, I think I dodged a bullet in some way. Of course, like I, you um, said, you could look at it and know that in like know why it happened and what it was for and everything that it was. You know what I mean? And it wouldn't have worked now. But what you need to do now in your life is get yourself prepared for moving forward. Do you know what I mean? Like because you could have another you know, this next relationship that you have could be the long lasting one that you have everything for. Do you know what I mean? You just have it to. It really des- could. Yeah. You just have to decide that you're going to have the fucking balls to take that chance again and know that even if like the rug is pulled from underneath you, like you're willing to take that fucking risk because you know that even if that happens, you will survive. You have to like know that. Honestly, I think part of me is afraid of. Um being rejected as though because I I feel like my whole sort of sexuality is a bit broken. Yeah, well, that's um, the other part of it because you don't – listen, you're – you have to work on that. And I don't know – do you see the same therapist and psychiatrist like this through this whole time? Is it the same people? Um, I've, I've changed uh, – I've got a couple. I've got my, my psychotherapist. Yeah. And a psychiatrist. Right, because they prescribe the, the meds. Psychiatrist. 
That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So yeah. I've changed psychiatrist a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got the I've had the last uh, eight years with the the therapist. Let me ask you this: um, Have you ever, yeah. like, with your therapist, thought? Of like trying to lower because listen the medication thing like besides your commitment issues with intimacy and getting hard with like somebody that's like standing right in front of you that really likes you you know that's a whole other issue but like you know the medication is definitely something that takes away the feeling of orgasms yeah. like I had a friend explain to me like that's exact I'm going through it like sort of hormonally because I'm like old and like going through perimenopause and I was like talking to her one day I'm like sometimes I have orgasms I don't even feel them I was like numb she's like that's exactly how I feel on my medication and she has yeah. like bipolar and stuff and I'm like oh that kind of makes sense right because it is like chemicals in your brain and like hormones women go through that because of hormones could change that but also medication can right um and so for sure, like physically, like no matter who you felt like that could happen to you, like you, you might not be able to overcome that unless maybe you lowered your medication or tried to get off a of medication. Do you think that that's possible for you? Whew, difficult question. I, um, I've tried a lot of different medications over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually 13 years. God, um, and some have been like I think I'm sort of on a really good combo, and I think part of me now is scared to to fuck with what I've got. For sure, because you feel really um, good on it, right? Well, I don't feel really good, but I feel the best that I've felt in 13 years. Okay. And the most stable I've been in 13 years. But um, let me ask you this: Have other th- have things in your life become more stable too? Do you, like what do yeah, you? Yeah, they have. So, do you think you feel more stable because your life is more stable, or do you think it's the medication? Because oh, chicken and egg argument. It's, yeah, uh, you know which can yeah definitely it. it um, I don't know whether my life has. Um, you know, stable, like, uh, uh, become a bit more smoother because of the medications and I've been able to pursue what I want and have sort of reinforced that stability. Yeah, or maybe. whether perhaps I've started exploring things and, you know, I start to feel a bit better and, and maybe the medication secondary. I honestly do But not maybe know. both of those things are true, right? Like, maybe you needed yeah, the medication absolutely. at the time to get your life more stable and with, like, you know, just age comes like more stability, right? Come on. Like we, you know, you're a different person when you're in your forties and when you're 20, you know, your feet hit oh, the ground. Yeah. I'm, I'm still a big kid. But right. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a different person. Definitely. Yeah. So like in maybe it was in the beginning. Yeah. Maybe in the beginning it was the medication, but now it's that your life is more stable. So you feel more stable. I just, this is my thing. And this could be, like I said, very bad. And people, maybe if someone's a psychiatrist is listening, this is like, want to create a lawsuit against me. But, <laughs> but like, I, I just, the thing I have with medication, I think it's very good and it helps people and people need it at certain times. But I feel like sometimes people that are on medications, like nobody, tells them or gives them sort of the information that maybe or gives them the credit that they could do life on their own like when was the last time that someone sort of told you or you told yourself that you could be okay without that medication that you could maybe deal with your life on your own like years and years and years do you know what i'm saying um yeah i totally get it And, and you're right that um there's nowhere in my range of supports 
where this has actually come up as a topic of what would life be like if I wasn't on medication. Right, and that maybe you could deal with it. And I think sometimes people do people like that a disservice. I mean, I was on medication in high school and that was it. And in my older age, like I had panic attacks, anxiety, like so much stuff, like, and, but I just refused to go on medication. And I really believe, and I quit alcohol. I had to quit drinking and go completely sober, you know, and deal with everything on my own. And you know, I used to travel with like a Xanax someone gave me like because on a plane, like the minute they like the doors are closing and you can't get out of the yeah. airplane. Like yeah. it's not the fl- it's not. I don't have All a fear of crashing, uh, crashing. Yeah. I have a fear of being fucking stuck in the tube on the tarmac. Like <laughs> I would be like I'd start surrounded by strangers. Yeah, I'd start like having a panic attack. And but I wouldn't always have that pill to say like, oh, maybe I'll take it if so. But I never did. And like. I, I think that not like sort of believing in yourself and not sort of taking something and giving yourself the opportunity to prove to yourself that you could do it to for yourself just enforces that and creates an inner strength that I believe everybody is capable of. I think that not everybody, okay? I think that there's like a there's people out there that yeah, they're just totally fucking whacked that they need medication and it totally helps. But you know, it makes sense why you were depressed when you were younger. There was a lot of things, you know, it makes sense that you were suicidal. And that's a scary place to be. I was there when I was 30 years old. I understand that. And that's like something that is like, you know, you, someone has to intervene or like you need help at that point. But, you know, maybe you don't you know, you're okay now that you could do it. I, I lost my train of thought, but, but it's like... No, no, I could be going. Like, I just, uh, I, I guess part of me is really scared of being back in that place where I'm... The darkness comes through. Well, not just the darkness, but also this disconnection from reality where nothing's real and I can go off and, and do things when I feel like everything's fine, but, you know, I'm actually breaking the law or I'm... You know, walking down the middle of the highway and don't realize that cars could heal, you know, keep me you and were, kill me. That's what you would do? Uh, yeah, look, I've been in, in um, hospital because I was not safe. Um, I've been in court because I broke the law. Um, what did you do? Like, I stole some money and mm-hmm. it just didn't seem real. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so there's like I, a I switch. And, yeah, yeah, I'm probably wrong. Maybe you really need medication. <laughs> but you know at that time in my life like Mm -hmm. things were really really fucking bad Mm -hmm. um and i'm i think part of me is really just scared of what might happen if i tried to go without i know but but couldn't you just try it you can't just go back i can't decrease right there's nothing that says that i can't sort of taper down and see how it goes yeah, like, because listen, what's the worst that happens, okay? You lower it, decrease, lower it, decrease. I say have a goal of trying to get off of it and see how it goes. You have help. You have, you know what I mean? Have them watch you, watch yourself, right? You know, I and didn't if... Have that. Yeah, I didn't have that early on. Right, um, and so that you, you're not going to escalate to the point where you're walking across the street to get hit by a car. You're going to know the signs before, right, because this has happened to you, and you'll be talking to somebody on a weekly basis. So if it happens, you could – it's like that pill that I had in my bag. You know what I mean? It's knowing that it's available might be – I don't know. I don't know. It's like 
you know, a scary like sort of idea. experiment. But yeah, I like the idea. I think it's I, like why it I would not try it because the sex that the not having a feeling with the sex. And I know with those medications, because I had a girlfriend that was on it, like she would have to take one medication and then the one that helped her with the feelings. But then another one to take off the weight because that one would make her yeah. fat. And then that one also made yeah. her not have feelings for sex. And then, you know, what I mean, this is like oh, I'm on like six different medications and it, it sucks. I'm overweight yeah. because of the medications. I, I just want to be physical pain because of the back injury. Right. Um, you know, it's it's like. Um, Don't I've you want to live life again? About, well, yeah. I mean, I've talked to my therapist about um, the sex stuff, and it's something that's difficult to get any advice on. And I've, um, <laughs> I had this well, not not an argument, but I had this discussion with my therapist about maybe going to a sex therapist yeah uh uh-huh he's like well you know why would you go to a sex therapist when you've got me oh god you know that's their ego i'm sorry but you know what really bothers me about is that's their ego getting in the way like they're thinking about themselves over you and that's completely fucked up right because they should be helping you become you know the best deals in sex so yeah (laughs) um you know my uh I think what's going on with with sex, it's only partly pharmaceutical. Yeah. I think it's uh, partly the back injury. It's partly pharmaceutical and it's partly emotional. Yeah. You got the three. I forgot about the back thing because that could have fucked up some of your nerves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And again, I don't really know what, what, you know. But I really think if you take away, if you... You know, maybe a sex therapist could help him. Why, why do you listen to your other therapist? You could go see a sex therapist. I mean, that person doesn't <laughs> tell you what the fuck to do. Like, why do you listen to that? You know what I mean? Go see a th- sex therapist. Don't even tell that. Like, or tell them you're doing it. That That's just the way that it is. What are they going to do? Dump you? Like, I mean, that's like ridiculous. You know, maybe a sex therapist could really help you because, you know, uh, if your therapist isn't and, you know, I, I think that sometimes I believe in like maybe crazy stuff people would think this is like too far out there but like mind body stuff that i think like sometimes like things happen physically that helps keep us exactly where we feel our safest right so totally right a back injury and and not being able to work like keep keep somebody from you who like at that point in your life like probably wanted to escape a lot of things and stay really safe in a really small world you know all that just like helped you go down that path right that I believe that if you decided you wanted to fucking drastically change it all you know maybe these things wouldn't be as debilitating you know what I'm saying and maybe they would lift because they weren't serving you anymore right well you know just returned to uh, to regular work for the first time in thirteen years. You just did that recently. Yeah, in the that's last, huge. Uh, the last eight weeks so far, and um, oh, I just got the chills. Not... See, that is that's <laughs> the kind of stuff that start to put. That's the kind of stuff that puts a lot of shit into motion. Good stuff, new stuff. And they've been great. You know, the workplace they've been fantastic. My boss is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, put like a whole well-being plan in place and encouraging me to work from home if I, if I get one day where I'm, you know, full of pain and can't move. Oh, that's so um, great. 
you know, totally just just uh, sit sit in bed with a laptop and work from home if I want to. And a lot of people do uh, that nowadays. Let me ask you this: what what happened to you? Like, what made you make that change to get a job and go into the workforce? Like, what was going on with you at that point? It like what was it that happened that you oh, said, "Oh, I want to go back to work after all these years." I've been doing bits and pieces, like, but it was all really, uh, really sporadic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing a bit of guest uh, guest speaking at universities mm-hmm. to future health practitioners about um, about mental health. Right. Um, talking about, um, I guess, how like occupational therapy is all about wellness through pursuit of occupational identity. Right. So you know, you you um, you latch onto something in your life that you want, and you talk about goals, and you you pursue the idea of recovering from your illness through goal setting and goal achievement. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's part of, you know, that was great, but it's always been like two or three days every few months. Right. Um, and I'd have this period for the last sort of four or five years where I'd get maybe, maybe one week a month of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really good because it gave me a variety and there was like six different places where I do this. Yeah. Um, but nothing regular and nothing, uh, like no routine and no structure and no reliability or, or, um, security. Mm-hmm. Um, so when this opportunity came up, it was actually because of one of the other places I'd been at. Um, you know, it, we did some really good sort of group uh, research, mm-hmm. uh, um, and uh, it sort of got some some nice attention, and uh, we got a referral. You know, the this other organisation approached the managers from that project and said, "Look, you know, do any of the people who worked on your project want to come and work for us?" Right. And um, so I got a call, and I thought, "Well, let's just have a talk." And uh, my boss is like, well, it can be as much or as little as you want. So you don't have to go full time if you don't think you're ready, or you can go full time if you want to. And what did you? Uh, and you chose full time. Oh, at the moment I'm doing uh, three days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but every week, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's really flexible, and she, you know, so for the next six months, try it out and just. Uh, try and find that sweet spot and how good does it feel to be working again amazing right you know i don't feel like uh, a lost little cripple anymore mm-hmm. like it still hurts and you know it's, it's struggling with getting up at 6 a.m to to commute to work um and that you know this whole change of lifestyle but it feels bloody great to feel that I've got this amazing purpose and I'm appreciated and, you know, they, they hunted me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great feeling. Do you feel like there was a part of you that was wanting to go back to work or something like, like, I know that that was all the stuff that was happening outside of you, but like inside of you, did you feel like you were looking for change or wanting more? And that's like how, you know what I'm saying? Like, was there a change in you too around that time that you felt, or did this seem to come out of nowhere? Oh, no, it's definitely been building for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, part of my fear was uh, getting over that whole police check uh, that comes from from more regular employment. Yeah. And uh, the fear of, okay, shit, what happens when that all comes out? Yeah. 
Um, so when when we had this whole conversation, I just straight out told her before all that. Yeah. And she's like, dude, that's that's nothing. And you were not well at the time, so that's extra nothing. Um, so, look, you know, she talked it over with her superior and um, her her superior's brother has been in and out of jail, which is, I guess, more than I've done. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they've um, it's a charitable organisation, so they're all about giving people a chance and getting people back on their feet. Yeah, helping people. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of the purpose of their work. Yeah. So why wouldn't they treat their staff the same way? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, in the end, it was totally a non-thing. They it worked it out, right. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter at all. I built it up in my head to be this massive barrier. Right. And they were like, yeah, so what? But the fact that you brought it up and you talked about it and I just always think that people like situations come into your life when you're ready for them. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. There's something that does jumps at you when when you're ready. Yeah. When you know the fact that you got to a place where you were finally like, I want to be in a new phase of life. You know what I mean? This and you know, and then what happens, I think, when you just really say that you're ready for it, situations come to you that you couldn't even imagine. Right. Like if you were to think five years ago that this situation that came to you existed, you'd probably be like, it's too hard to believe because it's so perfect for you specifically. Right? I never thought I'd be back in the workforce. I never thought I'd do that again. Right, because of your limitations. But look, you found a yeah, place that is totally. dealing with them perfect. And I always tell people when they're sort of stuck and they're like, but I can't find something because this or that. I'm always like, all you have to decide is that you're just really ready for a fucking change and you just want to just, you know, you're open to it. Like things will happen and come to you that you could have never imagined. You know what I mean? And situations, stuff that you couldn't have thought up in your own head, right? That are just tailor made for you if you really want something. I really believe that more than anything. I've seen it in my life. I see it in people's life. Look at it playing out in your life. And I think that with sex and relationships, you could do the same, right? It just has to be that you're really ready, that you really decide this is what you want to do. And then you really have to go out and make that all happen. And whatever comes up for you that you have to do that's uncomfortable, you'll have to do it. If that's going to see a therapist, do you date or anything? Like, do you go on dates? No, look, it's, it's, um, it's been years since I've even tried. And yeah. you know what I was thinking as you were just talking then, mm-hmm. that it's that same pattern of having a few bad experiences and being scared to try again. Yeah. And you just have to keep um, trying like until you, yeah, like the work, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's this whole thing. I've, I've been hurt before, so I'm scared to put myself out there. I haven't even tried to have sex in, in, three or four years. And now when you say uh, sex, do you just mean like your dick inside someone or do you mean even a blow job of making out like anything? anything? Oh, wow. Anything. So do you just yeah. do a lot of jerking off? Like, and when you jerk all yourself off, do you have feelings or no? Yeah, look, sometimes I've got to be mm-hmm. fairly uh, rough, I guess, with myself. Right, um, but you can if you do. Yeah, sometimes. When was the last it's time you saw an escort? Sorry, say again? When was the last time you saw an escort? Three and a half years, maybe four years. Wow. And like... But, um, do you feel like you're like, cause you do, do you get horny or does it even take your drive away? 
it has taken a lot of the drive away. It has. Um, yeah, it has. But I do still get horny, and and um, I mean, otherwise, I guess I wouldn't jerk off. But um, yeah, I do still get horny, and like I think I said in my email, I, I'm thinking of other ways. Can I, you know, what other way can I explore to try and have an orgasm, even with the limitations? Oh, right, you're pegging. Uh, I forgot about that. You thought maybe well, if someone you know, yeah. fucks you in the ass. You're like you get some feeling. I've been reading up about pegging, and yeah, it. Um, I'm I'm not really. Uh, I'm not um, homophobic. I don't care about yeah. the idea of being thought of as as yeah, gay, gay just because something goes in your ass, right? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it. it um, that sort of always confused me. This idea that um, if you're with a woman and something goes in your ass, that something is it? You gay. It's so dumb, right? <laughs> I'm always like, like if a gr- if a guy goes down on me and eats my snatch, does that mean I'm a lesbian? Like that's what lesbians yeah. do. Like it doesn't. Yeah, it's totally. like a, it's about the person that you're with. That to, you know, it's, it's not the act that you do. Have you yes. ever put anything in your ass yourself at home? Oh, totally. And totally. how does it feel better for you? Like, do you get more sensation for that? Absolutely, yeah. It does help. Um, in fact, most of the time when I've reached orgasm, I've had um, a toy. Right. Mm-hmm. That's helped, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and usually it's a lot of uh, thinking back to the first time that I had sex and the first time that I explored touching a girl. And, and um, it's thinking back to those sort of first moments of, of exploring things and thinking back to when it was all new and exciting and, and um, you know, that kind of taboo of, oh, my God, I'm touching someone's genitals. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God, you know. And, yeah. Um, that makes it really exciting for me in my head. Uh-huh. And I think that helps. For sure, yeah. You need that help because you have the, the sort of nerve damage probably and, and the medication mm-hmm. stuff, right? So... But I really think that if you got like, and I don't know if like it, it like a part of knowing your sexual dysfunction is a blockage for you let, that you think like, oh, if I met somebody, like, are they going to accept it? But I really think like as a woman, like the women would, if like you met a girl and she really liked you and you were like straight up, like, listen, I had this back thing. And like, so for me, I get really horny, but it's hard for me to come like I, this, like I may need something in my, like, I don't, I think a, the girl would be totally fine with that. Like for real. Do you know what I mean? Like and accommodating uh, and understanding that, you know, you could bring that into a relationship. It's not so out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not saying I want to go fuck a guy and have him fuck me in the ass and you need to deal with it. You know, like so that's harder to find a girl that's going to be accepting of that if you're like you need that. But what you would just be asking a woman is that, you know, you would bring a toy, like you said, into your guy's relationship and that would help you. And I think that uh, the right woman that really cared about you would be totally fine with that. I guess I've, uh, I can't tell you the number of times I have been on, on apps like Tinder or, uh, uh-huh. um, there's Whatever, a dating program yeah. called RSVP, which, uh-huh. um, you know, it's all online dating basically. Yeah. And I, oh no, I did go on a date about two years ago. Uh-huh. There we go. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, and you know, we'd been talking for a while beforehand and we finally met up for dinner and, and, um, just sort of uh, unfortunately came out halfway through that that she was a hard uh, a hardline militant vegetarian who okay. went on marches and and protests at, at abattoirs and uh. like 
you know, had been to jail for chaining herself to places. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, Next, and that was sort of a, a bit of a revelation, and and that gave me a bit of a shock. Um, so that didn't work out, but um, yeah, I haven't. Uh, but you were gonna say I there. I can't tell you how many times I've been on those apps. Right? What were you gonna say? You didn't finish that statement. Oh, um, oh, just the fact that I I try and then I withdraw. Right. So you go on, you, um, you see know. some people, and then you're just like, forget it. Yeah. You exactly. might listen now that you're out and about, and I suggest for you. Th- you know, to go into work as much as possible. You know what I mean? More so than stay home. Like force yourself as much as you can to go actually into work than stay home. But it's amazing that you have the option, right? Because you do sometimes have to go. But I, I mean... I think I've already stayed home like twice. Yeah. I, that's, I don't feel like it's real work. Yeah. Um, and it feels good to get out of the house, real. right? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. At the um, end of the, your day, you feel good about yourself because you accomplished something and you got something done, you know, and I just think that with somebody, I hate dating too, okay? And I, I don't know that, you, like, I, you know, when you really decide that you really want to do it and you're ready to do all the work that you're going to have to do to have a relationship and be uncomfortable and put yourself in a field, fucking what, all the things you're going to have and like really want it. Like, I just think you're going to meet somebody like you could meet somebody at work. Like you, you know, it, it is good to start dating because it just starts, it just puts it out there that that's what you're doing and you're available and going on dates helps. But a lot of times, like some people just meet somebody at a fucking coffee shop that, you know, in that time, you just have to like sort of put that light on and decide that that's what you want to do, you know. And when I say do it, I mean like the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Not just like uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the fantasy of it. Oh, I'm going to meet the perfect person tomorrow. It's that I'm going <laughs> to on the first time. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to date, and no matter how bad it is, I'm just going to keep going. You know what I mean? Because my goal is to get married again. And do you want kids? I'd love to have kids. Yeah, I think that would really help you, especially with the whole twin thing and your other child. Like, I don't know. I think that could be really healing for you. And having a child, like, as somebody that didn't have one and has one now, it is like, if it's something that you want, and listen, some people aren't born with the desire to have one, and I totally understand that, but I always wanted a child, okay? And, you know, I think if you want it, it's like, it will change your life and be the the greatest thing you've ever experienced your life like that you you have to do it and you're young for a guy 41 is still super young like it doesn't matter you can no, have a, I, don't you could, feel, I don't feel young well but <laughs> you are and you could have a baby at any time so you're fine with having a baby and i think you know if you want those things you gotta you got your now's the time to start saying to yourself that you could have those two and you deserve those two and i think as a man like a man out of work, I always say this because like men are sort of judged by their self-worth, by like how much money they have, like what they get accomplished yeah. by their work life, right? Women are judged by how they look. So I'm always like a guy out of work is like a girl that has like zits all over her face and is like overweight, you know? It's like that's the same kind of feeling. And a girl that has zits on her face and is overweight doesn't feel like she wants to go out and meet somebody. She doesn't feel good about herself, right? But if she lost that weight. That, that whole self-worth. Yeah, changed a bit with because you're working, working, right? So I think that you not working probably didn't help you when you went on. Like you didn't feel like enough of a man on some level, right? And I'm just because of your situation, right? But this is gonna make you feel 
better about yourself because you are it's like the girl lost the weight and her skin got clear you know what I mean and now she's hot and she could go out and find a guy you know now you're working again you're you're doing what you got to do like I think that you will be different on dates and out there with women and it will help you you know and I I feel like a yeah a little bit it's a bit like um fitting into mainstream society a bit more yeah um like it's a bit easier to be get get past those first impressions uh-huh um because i think that's the biggest barrier to meeting someone is getting past that first impression once you get past that first step you know start building a bit of um rapport and, and getting to know one another it becomes much easier to accept each other as as the people we are right human, you know with yeah. our flaws and yes um and our history yeah, it's getting past that first step, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy to get judged and rejected just based on that that initial superficial judgment. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that's part of the problem that's being sort of reinforced by these apps where it's all appearance-based and, and you can easily accept or reject just by swiping your finger and it's all – it just reinforces the idea that, you know, we can't get to know people without – being having a facilitator it's like we need the um the the jewish matchmaker to come in and, and yeah um, yeah totally introduce no, people again. in real life because i'm always yeah. like it's not like you're going out and buying a, a thing of toothpaste like it's a person and i i think of like exactly what you just said when i'm like watching tv and i love reality tv you know so i'm like watching the real houses and i'm just like looking at their husbands and i'm like their fucking husband's hot and like like i think they're good but i think like if i were to see them without talking without walking without any of their stuff that i know if I would have seen them, their face on an app, I would have swiped. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't get something from just a picture than what you get. For, you know what I mean? And I think of that sometimes because I'm terrible at dating and I don't like that. And I believe like when I'm ready for a relationship, like I'll meet somebody. Like that's when I really want relationships in my life. That's how it works. I meet someone at the gym. Like I, I, don't, I fucking hate that. Sh- like that dating thing doesn't work. I was that girl that has a work for you that is she single? I don't know why. The girl that you talk to at work, that is she your boss? Is she young and hot by any chance? Yeah, she's about my age and, and um, she's amazing. It, <laughs> it, I don't know why. Um, and sometimes I make predictions. I don't know why I brought that up or why I said it, but let's just put that out there. Like, you know, you, you might meet somebody at work. Like, you know, I think you could start doing the dating thing, but I think... You just have to start opening, like saying in your mind that you're really ready and looking around when you're walking on the street for girls, when you go into the store for, you know, at work and just really be like really super available and people smell that from a mile away and maybe go on some dates and maybe you will meet the person on a dating app. People do that all the time and it happens like for real. You know what I mean? For real. Yeah, yeah. So I think you should do it. That wouldn't exist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it does work. So do it all. But you might not, you might wind up meeting someone. Like that girl you're telling me about, you and her can wind up together. You don't know. Because sometimes, like, I do believe that there's somebody for everybody. And it doesn't matter what kind of limitations you have or what kind of phobias you have. If you really want somebody, somebody will show up in your life that will 
or a situation will work that works with your stuff. Do you know what I mean? And somebody like you that has a fear and that is afraid, like, you know, maybe you're going to have to be friends with somebody first, you know, and that would really help you. And, you know, like, I don't know, but like, if you're really ready for a relationship, it'll work out for you in the way that it will work with your shit. Do you understand that? So maybe somebody at work that you know for a while and then it turns into something like maybe something like that will happen for you. Who knows, you know, but I do believe that it can happen. It's just a matter of you deciding that you're really ready. And then the sex stuff will come with it. And I really think you could work with that with your partner, you know? It certainly seems a lot more possible now that my, I guess my sphere is opening up and I'm, I'm less isolated. Yeah, I'm getting out in the world more, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm meeting more people just because I'm going to work every day. And yes, uh, you're finally living yeah. a life again. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? It's, Listen, um, I don't know if you know this, but you're gonna die, like for real. Like oh, we all die. Absolutely. Like I think people yep. don't think of this. Like for real. Like you're just gonna fucking die. Like we are alive yeah, now. Now is the fucking time. Do you understand? Like. It's like you don't have another twenty years to waste, right? Like you've no second or, chances. It's all just now. It's yeah. right now, you know. And I think it's so great that you just like you. It now is the right time for you. You're not somebody that I'm talking to that hasn't even started to make the change and just thinking about it. Like you've already done it. I said this to someone just the other day. It's like dominoes. You press one and like. The, all the rest start to move, you know. I think going I think back to that. work was yeah. the was the domino. You going back to work is just is gonna is changing is gonna change everything. Do you know what I mean? And and it's in motion. And I think that that's like a really exciting, amazing place for somebody like you to be in because you've been not really living a full life no. for a really long time. <laughs> yeah. And you're not so sixty one. Like- you're forty one. So that's yeah. super young still, and Guyland especially. <laughs> what were you gonna say? There, there are there are there have still been challenges. Like it's a massive change, and it's it's hard sometimes. Duh, that's what um, we talked about. We're not in fantasy <laughs> land here. We're talking about fucking reality, people. In yeah, reality, exactly. none of these yeah. things are perfect. It's just, but it is amazing and just regular at the mean? same time. Do you know what I'm saying? None of these things are perfect. <laughs> Come on, you're living my life. No. <laughs> It's, but it is amazing. Like I said, it's amazing where you're at. But like you said, it's not without its struggles. But like, but anyone that has anything in their life has struggles. The difference between them and the people that are too afraid to fucking get those things is that they're they're okay with the struggles. They know that it doesn't mean anything. They deal with them, and they know that like you know the the next day they could be happy, and the next day there'll be a struggle, and then the next day it'll be okay. You know what I mean? That's the way real life goes. You know, and if you you could ride that wave, and you know that that's okay, that's fine. The people that live in fear and they want to like when I was wanting to have a baby and do it the way that I was, there were so many people that said to me like, "What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens?" Yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know yeah. those people, and those are the people that never changed your life. And it's like, yeah, a million fucking oh. things happened, and even crazier things. In my head. Yeah, and crazier things than people could have ever imagined happened, but it didn't matter. I still have my baby, and if I would have ever stopped for any of the things that happened or the thoughts that people said, I wouldn't have like what I have now, which is like the greatest thing in my life. Like it's like the love of my life. The first time and it's like, so for somebody like you that has a lot of stuff and I always felt like my child would be really healing for me. And it really 
has. And I really think it's because it really is unconditional love and it is very different from than something that you could get from someone that you just partner up with, you know, that I think it's really good. And, you know, you really need a partner because you would do really well having a, a, a whole family and having kids. It's uh, it's a bit terrifying, but you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I but that's okay. You got to face fear. your fears. That's what yeah, you got to fucking right. do. I could live in fear the rest of my life and and be on my deathbed thinking, "What if only? If only?" Imagine. Um, that's what yeah, you don't want to do. I always think no of my way. deathbed. That's what was I always said. If I didn't have a baby on my deathbed, I would regret that. So for me, that was like the reason why I had to do it. And there was no, you know, so for you on your deathbed, if you're there and you never had a real relationship again with somebody and you never had a child, like, wouldn't you regret that? Hell yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you got to start fucking now. I really think if you really make it your goal, like you got the job and that's like moving. If you really decide you want a partner, the baby's going to come with the partner. That's going to happen right with that. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you just got want companionship in your life. I, I, I swear to you, I know that within six months to a year, you will meet somebody. That's my prediction. It, it really is just you deciding that that's the next thing you want and deserve in your life and you're going to fucking have it. And you will deal it with the stuff seems, that comes with it. Yeah, look, it certainly seems a lot more possible now that yeah. I'm starting to move. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before it just seemed impossible. Um, and the sex yeah, is right. going to come with it, okay? Like all this sex stuff, like, I mean, it's like that's a physical sort of manifestation of all these other things, right? Um, but I think if you decide you want a relationship and you met someone that you really liked, like maybe you'd have more feelings down there. Maybe you don't know. You have to open that yourself up to it. Yeah. You have to try it. They could help me explore what the limits, what my limits are. I didn't even know what my limits are with another person. Exactly. I've been so closed off. Totally. Uh, and if you have yeah. to get fucked in the ass, you she'll do it for well, you. Who cares? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you don't know. But I do believe that you could, if you ever have doubts that a woman would be okay with that stuff, listen, you're not going to tell her that on your first date. You don't even tell her that on your second date. You know what I mean? When you really feel comfortable (laughs) with someone, you explain that to them. Like, I really don't think that that's like, if I met a guy that I really liked and he was, you know, especially when you're older and you you know that you, it's not, it's hard to find people that you actually really like, you know? If you do meet someone you really like and they have this kind of thing and they're like physically like they need something more because of something that happened like that big fucking deal. You know what I mean? First of all, sex isn't everything in a relationship. And if it's it's workable and you could do it and it, it's still intimate and it's like like I said, it's not like you want to go out with other people. It's no, no, a girl would be fine with it. It's not it's not something that you have to be worried that like a, a girl wouldn't be able to deal with if she really liked you. She would. It's not as though I'm. Uh, it's not as though I'm going all Fifty Shades of Grey. Or yeah, anything. you're not. <laughs> I have some guys calling in here that are bi and they do want to fuck other guys and they want their girl. And like, listen, there's somebody for everyone. And I try. And I and I say like, it's not like every girl is gonna like that, but there'll be. You got to find somebody that will, and there will be somebody. But for you. It, it, you're not. It's what you're. What you would be putting on a woman wouldn't isn't really that big of a deal. Any girl that really wind up liking you would be totally fine with it. It's to, you know just to make it work. It's not a big. It's not a deal breaker. 
isn't it funny? I've I've thought for so long that that the whole thing is such a barrier. That, of course, well, that, know, kept, that kept that kept you away. Stop me from trying. Yeah, yeah, that was like the perfect thing. Like I said, the back problem was perfect. What a perfect thing to uh-huh. happen to somebody that doesn't <laughs> want to fucking deal with people because people yeah. disappointed him his whole life. Yeah. Right. How how convenient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how perfect. Yeah, you're right though. You so know, things come into your life because whether it reinforces what you already wanted or yeah, um, it gives you an excuse to to give into the fear. But the same way that came into your life, you brought into this job. You know what I mean? You brought this in as well because you were on Mm. some level. That's why when I kept saying, like, what was going on with you? On some level, there was a shift. You wanted to get back out there before it happened. You know what I mean? Like, it for real, like something was going on with you and you attracted that. So, like I said, the shift in your relationships and and it, that that happens once that clicks in that's something's going to present itself to you too in the positive right we can attract negatives we attract positives but i and i think that <laughs> yeah. you're there it's not that hard for you like you're already started it do you know what i mean I, I think it's like it's already on its way for you you know and i think I especially you were a relationship person like i kind of like a free spirit it's just like i really like being alone like so like you know you were like a really you had some relationship for 8 years at one time like you really like that like that's a part of who you were that you haven't been able to sort of experience again and that part of you needs to have what it wants you have to do that for you it's um i i feel like i need that connection as much as I'm scared of, of opening up and being vulnerable, uh-huh. um, I still really want it. Yeah. And you deserve <laughs> it. Partly prepare myself for the idea that, you know, that idealistic, romanticized perfection won't necessarily happen and that there'll be good and bad experiences from day one. Yeah, and that's hard, but if you stay in there, because those things will come up. Like, I don't have a boyfriend right now, but I have a nanny that helps me with my baby because I'm a single mom, right? And, like, I always tell my sister, I'm like, it's kind of like what a relationship would be. Like, I need her so much, and I really need her in my life, but sometimes she fucking aggravates the fuck out of me, right? And I want (laughs) to, like, fire her or tell her to fuck off, but, like, (laughs) I really need her, and I don't want her to go, and then I don't don't sabotage anymore. That's not what I do. I'm like, but this is, like, what I'm going to have to do one day when I meet a guy I like right like you just like it's like you know and it's a whole part of it it's just like there's nobody perfect and sometimes that's really hard to accept especially when we're people that were you know had these kind of things that happened when you're younger you know but if you stay in therapy which is which you'll really need if you get a relationship you know what I mean it'll really help you talk through those little moments where you just want to fucking throw in the towel do you know what I mean especially in the beginning when you're establishing the relationship so you don't sabotage because so much is uh, so much of the stuff that happens with people that have commitment issues is subconscious and it's sabotage and it's the part of you that doesn't believe you deserve it that creates keeps you away from the things that you want so it's you against you you know and if you can have help in a therapist that helps you realize you know and helps you keep that relationship going for me I don't have a therapist right now but I have my sister and she always talks me down from the cliff with my nanny (laughs) you know what I mean like and because it's like I have that thing too where I want things to be perfect you know but like 
it's like there won't be somebody, but you'll have help with that and you'll be ta- you'll be talking through it and that can't stop you from meeting the same, the right person and you're going to find that person. I guess it doesn't help on some level that um you know in the media and all the advertising all around us every day is you know advertising perfection and this idea oh my god what about these uh, fucking shows where people get married after six (laughs) weeks it's such a joke i can't believe it's a it all is fantasy yeah but why are those younger people are killing themselves off more than anybody it's a terrible crazy thing but forget about society you're let's just talk about you like i said because i gotta wrap this up but like i said this is like you you're no matter it doesn't matter what society is saying no matter what like you're in a change in your life you are and and things are going to looking up and you're gonna have a relationship and it's like i said i it might not be so like the way it happens for everybody else right now it might be like i said you just meet someone at work like that girl who knows but that's good you know that's yeah. a good thing yeah i feel like things are definitely shifting in a good they way are. Uh, and they that are. makes everything possible again which yeah, it hasn't I, been for so long and look and i think even you wanting to call into my podcast and talk about things is like you know very ballsy you're putting stuff out there but and that's like a really good thing and i don't know if like this conversation was what you thought it was going to be i don't know where you want to go with this but this are my favorite kinds of conversation because i think this is the kind of shit that life is about like i love watching biographies because i love these kind of moments i love the bad moments and the life-changing moments because those are the moments where people really grow and change you know what i mean and like you're coming out of like this really dark place and a really bad place and into a place that's good and that's like a part of life and i think that it's great and it's good to see you on the upswing and i i need to be kept posted about this because i gave you some predictions on this call something about that girl something about that girl you're dealing with at work and a relationship within six months to a year you have to tell me if i'm right so i will i have to keep in touch yeah um, i love the idea that this you know i don't know what what i had in mind about uh, what this was going to be yeah but i love that just being able to explore everything and i hope that other people listen to this and can relate to the fact that it's just real life yes uh, whether they can feel some of it or all of it or whatever and maybe feel better about the idea that possible you know things can become possible again yes i that's why i love i i, I know a lot of people that have this same problem i think it's very it's more common than people would think, you know? So I think there will be a lot of, and most people find my podcast because they're Googling for things, certain specific things, you know? And so I think a lot of people will listen to this podcast and I like you hope that they will so that they could learn from it too, because I think a lot of this stuff applies to a lot of people and a lot of people could use this kind of pep talk and they could, and it's like a really, what I love is stories like this where the person has like, you don't just see the, the bad part of the stuff that happens. Like you're seeing like, how you're coming out of it too you know so that gives somebody else hope that they can you know everybody's at different parts of this stage like if I talked to you two years ago it would have been a different call you know but it's nice to see that I love where you're at right now because it's like you know it's you're changing into something completely different and that's really great and I'm really happy for you and I think you're going to get a lot more and everything's going to fall into place with you it just got to give it time but you know keep me posted and when you start to have a relationship let's have another phone call sure sounds good to me okay and go get yourself a sex therapist if you want don't listen to that other person just fucking do it yeah well you know I've I've got someone in mind so good go see that person I might try it out 
Yeah, you should, because I think that will give you more confidence too. You know what I mean? It's all just going to help. Yeah, Yeah. it is. It's just going to make you feel like you're fucking working on your shit and it's going to make you feel more stable and secure. And you got, that's what you got to do for you. Yeah. Give me a sense of control over it rather than feeling like I'm a victim. That you're just waiting for it to solve on its own. Like you're doing something about it. So it's really, I think you'd go, if you have someone in mind, go see that person, go make that appointment. Okay. Nice. Okay. Th- thanks so much for calling in all the way from Australia. I love your accent. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> thank Bye. you very much. Bye, Bye Peter. Bye. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is strictly anonymous. Strictly.